Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. If you'll open your Bibles to Ruth, uh, Book of Ruth, uh, we're going to continue our series. We started last week. Um, our app, Grace417, um, has, has all the verses in it. I, t- I tell you, Ruth is like, it's a challenge to teach because it's a story, and most of it's dialogue. It's the shortest book in the Old Testament. It's four chapters, 85 verses. Um, it's, in all honesty, it's much better as a story than it is breaking it apart and going verse by verse. The flow's much better altogether. But I really believe the Lord has some things He wants to say to us verse by verse, so that's how we're going to do it. But um, it'd be definitely worth reading all in one sitting. And, I would, and I'll talk about how that's often done in, in just a moment. But just to, in case you were not here last week, just to kind of um, bring you up to speed a little bit, let's start Ruth uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, so this is the time frame, this would have happened about when Gideon would have been one of the judges uh, from the book of Judges. Um, uh, the people of, they weren't Israel yet, they weren't a nation yet, but the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, were not living for God. It was, everybody was doing what was best in their own eyes. It was like, it was like the old wild west. Like everybody just kind of like, just every man for himself. And, and, and it was, there was famine in the land. Uh, things were not good. So, so a man from Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is significant because of the Christmas story. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So this, this uh, family of four goes to Moab, and, and as the story goes along, Elimelech, the, the husband, the father, um, he dies. And the, the sons, they take daughters from Moab, because um, they're marrying age. The two sons die, so it's Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. And so there comes this point where uh, she, she just she cuts her losses. She says, God's been out to get me. It's not good. Um, we're going to part ways. Um, you go to your family. I'm going to go back to my family of origin. And, and the ride's been terrible, but it's over. Let's, let's just part ways. And uh, just really depressed, really upset. And one of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah, was like, oh, she went back to her family. But, but Ruth said, no way. She said, I'm coming. In fact, they, the, the Hebrew here even indicates there was some sort of even struggle. Like, like Naomi was like pushing her to get her to stay. Like she's trying to force her to stay. And, and Ruth was like, no, I'm not going to stay. In fact, she says this in verse 16. Don't, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. And, and then in the, in verse 18, I think it goes on. To, and so uh, Naomi actually just quits talking to Ruth. Well, fine. And so she heads back. Ruth follows her back. And, and, and then they begin a life together in Bethlehem. In fact, they get back to Bethlehem. And as they get back to Bethlehem, they start talking about, hey, that's Naomi, Naomi's home. And they begin talking to Naomi. And they, verse 20, Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. She told him, call me Mara, uh, because uh, the, Mara means bitter. Uh, because the Almighty has, been very, has, has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Her view is that God was out to get her, that God had abandoned her, that God had forsaken her, that God had left her. And, and we talked about this last week, but 
Uh, sometimes at a, at a time of Christmas, it's a, it can be a difficult season, and, and you, could, you could feel that way. You could have expectations that aren't met, hopes and desires that have not been fulfilled, like Naomi, and you could feel like God has left you. And we can take hope, and we can take encouragement from what happened with Naomi, because here it is, 3,500 years later, we're talking about Naomi. We're talking about how faithful God, is. and we'll see this through the story, how faithful God will be to her, how he will take care of her, how he will provide, how he'll restore what's been lost. And, and, and we know that God will do that in our life as well. And so as we come to, um, at the end, end of chapter one, I, I, I actually, I got an email this week from, from a gentleman in, in the church. And, and, and this was what the email said. He said, he said, Jay said, it's really good that Naomi was able to get Ruth to go with her back to Bethlehem. Otherwise, Naomi would have been ruthless. I didn't come up with it. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just saying. Just saying. I, thought it was, I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. So as we come to the end of chapter, I'm in Galatians from earlier. Let me get, I'm still in Galatians. Let me get to the book of Ruth. It's right at the end of the book of Judges because it was in the time of the Judges. So it's between Judges and First and Second Samuel. Okay. So the end of chapter one says, so Naomi returned, so Naomi returned, from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And so that was important. That was, that was really critical uh, a time frame. And, and one of the reasons I want to bring it up is because there are three major Jewish festivals that, that there weren't a nation yet, but when they would become a nation, there'd be three times a year where everybody would come to Jerusalem and would celebrate a feast. There are three feasts. There's a feast of, of Passover, which is the Passover lamb, which is, we know that Jesus is our, is our Passover. And then there was the um, feast of Pentecost, which f- Pentecost means 50. It was the, it was the wheat, it was celebrate the wheat harvest. We know Pentecost um, was fulfilled um, in Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. And then there was the Feast of Tabernacles, which will be fulfilled um, when Jesus returns again. And so those are the three, and they all revolved around agrarian or agricultural calendar. And so Passover was, um, was, at the, was at the beginning of the agrarian calendar, and then Pentecost was at the barley, the wheat harvest at that, and then Tabernacles was at the fruit harvest. And so this was important. And so, um, in fact, even today, that at the Feast of, of Pentecost, um, when it's celebrated, Shavuot, I think is, is, is how you, you say it. I'm, I might be wrong. My Hebrew's not great. Um, but um, as it is, uh, that the book of Ruth is read to this day. And they read the entire book. It's only four chapters, 85 verses. But they read that. And it's done for several reasons. One is because that's the time of the year. Like we read the Christmas story because that's when Jesus was born, right? Well, maybe not in case you didn't know that. But it's still you know, it's a time where we would think about that, or we read resurrection around Passover because of, of Jesus down the cross. So, so in other words, it's good to, like when you're, when, you're, like when you're in the season of something, to reflect on something biblical at that time. So that was one reason. Another reason uh, that's, that's, that I think is super interesting, that Jewish tradition um, tells us that, that this was probably David's birthday and also the day that he died. In Jewish um, background and history, if you if you died on the day you were born, if you died on your birthday, that means you were like extra blessed. And it's interesting because my, my maternal grandfather, he died on his birthday. And so I, when I did his funeral, I absolutely 
talked about that. But, um, but we know at the end of the book of Ruth, that, and that's one of the reasons it's so significant, is it said, when, and I'll, 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 I'll tell you the end of the story, okay? Boaz marries Ruth, and you don't even know who Boaz is yet in this story, I mean, unless you've already read it, because we haven't got to Boaz yet, but next verse, we're getting ready to get to Boaz. So Boaz marries Ruth. They have Obed. Obed has Jesse. Jesse has David. David is in the lineage of Christ. And so you see how this is all a part of the Christmas story. You see how the Lord's hand was, was in all of this. And so um, this was in David's hometown. And, and so they would even read the story about how David came to be because it was his birthday and it was his feast, all those great things. Another reason it's interesting is because it's a barley harvest. It was also that same time where later... Um, uh, from Mount Sinai, the, the Ten Commandments, the law, the Torah would be given. And as it was given, the people responded and said, yes, we'll do that. We will follow you, Lord. Very similar to what Ruth said in her response of, of your God will be my God, your people will be my people. I'm going to go. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to follow you. Very similar. So it was a way for the people of God to say, yes, Lord, we are with you. We are following with you. And then also another key part of harvest um, is that, as we know, it was fulfilled in Pentecost, as Joel prophesied that his spirit, the spirit of God, would be poured out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, um, and the, the gospel began to explode and go around the world, which indicate a great spiritual harvest, which also reflects um, Ruth being a, a Moabite, how she was brought into the family of God, a part of this great harvest of being a part of the people of God. So you see all these different layers, layers of all these different things that are happening. And so that's some theological importance of the timing of this book with Christmas, with Pentecost, with, with barley harvest, with all of this. But it's just going to get really, really, really practical as far as what the barley harvest really meant to, to them. And so um, you can follow along in the app if you want. We don't have all the verses up there because there's a bunch of them. But I'm just going to just walk through some of these verses and just, and just point some things out. So chapter 2, verse, verse 1. Let's start there. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, because that was her husband's name, Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. Now, a man of standing mean he, means he was wealthy. Uh, he was well-to-do. He, remember, this was the time of the judges, and if you remember our series in the judges, it was a time of warriors. He was probably a warrior. Um, in fact, the name Boaz uh, means strength is found in him. And, and so he's a, he's a wealthy man, he's a rich man, he's a landowner, and he happens to be a relative of Naomi. So verse 2, and Ruth the Moabitess, so interesting there, because every time Ruth is talked about, she's considered the Moabitess. It's like it's this, this continual reminder that she's an outsider, that she doesn't fit, that she doesn't have a place, that she's a not part of the inheritance, that she's not really one of them. Just a continual reminder. But we, as we read this story, we see that she becomes one of them, that she's grafted in, that she's even part of the lineage of Christ. And, and I think that, oh, it's happened so much that just as that title is stuck on her as a, a Moabitess, that, that I think that so often the enemy continually whispers to our hearts and to our minds disqualifications that might even be true that we would consider disqualifications that would cause us to miss out on what God wants to do. Well, for Ruth, it was her, her, her heritage. It was her lineage. It was her bloodline. It was a Moabitess because the Moabites were the enemies of the people of God. 
And they had, she, they had this, there was this running narrative, not only happened in the story, but with people, she was always had this disclaimer on her. And I wonder what it is in your life, that disclaimer or that thing that you hear, that whisper from the enemy that maybe was true about you once or maybe it's true about you now. But let me just say, that's not the final word. That might have been where you came from, but that doesn't define who you are. That doesn't define what God's going to do. And we see that God uses Ruth. We see that God works in this in spite of the fact that she's a Moabitess. In fact, that's what makes the story so great. And so she says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I have found favor. And so Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And so the the, the law of Moses um, was set up in, in such a way that when people were to harvest their lands, that they were only to go through it once and, and then leave. You know, if you're doing any type of harvesting or collecting, you go through it once, but maybe everything's not quite ready or you don't collect everything or stuff falls. The, the idea was to leave that for others. And, and even when they would... Um, so, you know, they didn't have... Um, all the nice fencing like we have today. You know, you drive out through our countryside, you have all this nice, you know, barbed wire fence or pipe fencing or different types. That wasn't the way it was. You just have these huge fields and, and people's fields would be lined up right after each other, all part of one big field. In, in fact, that's why in, in Proverbs and other parts of the Old Testament, it says don't mess with the property lines or don't mess because there'd be rocks or there'd be things that would pile up to mark the land because they'd be in this big field. And, and, and so what they were told to do is they weren't to harvest the corners of these fields. You know, and then when, the, when the plows and, and when the instruments, when they would go around the implementation, implements, when they'd go around, they, you know, you can't like get the corner. You'd have to like do a circle and then you'd go back and it's like, don't go back and get the corner. Leave those corners for the poor, for the widows, for those that don't have land, for those that that are in lack and that are in need. And here we see God built into the social fabric of his people a way to provide for those that couldn't provide for themselves, the people that were without, the people that, that, um, that need help. And so that's a reminder to us um, because, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it's been a while since you were in a place where you really needed help. And, and we can forget what's that, what's that, what that's like if it's been a while. But when you don't have other options, when you don't have other means, it's, it's great when there's those that are generous around you that will help you, that will strengthen you. And, and we see even here at the people of, of God that it was built in a way where people could come and if they didn't have land or whatever it might be, and Naomi was too old. And so Ruth went and she worked the field and she gathered that of that, of that extra. And I don't have a good, like I don't really know a good analogy of what it would be like today. I mean, one analogy could be like if... Um, you know, if you like, you know, bus tables or wait, waiters and you didn't, maybe you didn't bus all the tables and if other people wanted to come help, they could help bus the tables, they could get some of the tips or, you know, however it might be. Or, or I don't, I, I'll tell you a story. We were, uh, uh, we were traveling and uh, we were in this restaurant in another country and uh, these people ordered like so much food. Like, I mean, like so much food. In fact, it was a it was a uh, a seafood thing and and I said to the server I said whatever they they have, I, I want that 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 looks awesome and 
And they had, um, they said, well, that's actually not on the menu. We just kind of created that for them because they wanted a, a thing. And, and, and I said, well, well, how much is it? You know, and, and this is what, so it was $140. And I was like, never mind, you know, never, never. So I'm sitting there with the boys, you know, we're sitting there and, and, and there's like a whole plate of seafood. These people left it. They ordered way more than they could eat. And I mean, there was fish. You guys are getting hungry, aren't you? There's like salmon. There was, there was shrimp, like major shrimp, like big shrimp, like looked like little lobster shrimp and, and all this food. And, and so the boys and I, we're just trying to talk Heather into letting us go get the food, Right. <laughs> We are like, come on, babe. Like, you know, nobody will notice. We just go and walk. I mean, this is, they just let, I mean, it's like nothing wrong. Like, this is good food. Like, this is going to go to waste. Like, we don't want, anyway, we can never talk. We couldn't talk her into it. But maybe it was something kind of like that, you know, where they had extra and so they left it. But, but yeah, I'm still thinking about all that good, all that good seafood that was left on there. It's just, it's not right. But, um, but, but let us be those that would help those around us that, that need help, even especially, right, this time of year, right? So let's be those kind of people. So, okay, back to the story. All right. Um, I think I was in verse 2. Yeah, no, verse 3. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And it turned, as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. So she was working her way along these fields, and it just so happens that she's working in the field belonging to Boaz. It was just a coincidence. It was just a happenstance. Not at all, is it? Here we see the providence of God. We see the, the sovereign hand, the divine hand of God working behind the scenes. Now, Ruth isn't sitting at home watching TV. I mean, she's out working. She's out in the field. She's out doing something. But we see God working behind the scenes. We see God orchestrating. And they don't even know it yet. Naomi's at home feeling sorry for herself, still upset at God because her husband's dead and her sons are dead. Like, and God's working on her behalf. And it just makes me wonder what God might be doing on your behalf and on my behalf right now that we don't even know about. What kind of happenstance that we're going to just happen into? What kind of situation we're going to find ourselves in that's of the blessing and of the favor of God that we couldn't even plan ourselves, but God is planning it on our behalf right now, and we can't even talk about it because we don't even know what it is. But that's the kind of God that we serve, who's working on our behalf. So it just turns out, I love the way the author writes, it just so happens, just turns out she finds her fellows of field belonging to Boaz, who is from this clan. Well, just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, and the Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? Who's that lady? She she got his attention. Who's that? He didn't recognize her. The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess. See, again, right? She just gets that label stuck on her every time. She is a Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And so she went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said, so he goes over to talk. So he finds out the backstory. He goes over to talk to her, goes over there, says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. 
Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. It was a very dangerous time, very dangerous culture for women. I've told the men to leave you alone, and wherever, whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. And Verse 10, and at this she, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she exclaimed, why have you... Why, why have I found such favor in your eyes? You notice me, a foreigner. Again, she recognizes her brokenness. She recognizes her emptiness. And Boaz replied, I've been told all about you from what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you, this is beautiful, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came here to live with a people you did not know before. He knows how hard that is. He knows how difficult that must have been. The fact that she came with Naomi, Ruth, whose name means companion and a friend, who's come alongside, who has served, who has loved, who has preferred, who has left the comfort of home, who has left the things she was familiar with to, to follow and to serve Naomi, who, who Ruth was going through a difficult time, a hard, 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 hard moment. But she didn't let that stop her. She didn't let that keep her from, from, from serving Naomi, from, from pursuing. And, 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 and watch how God works in this. Because in verse 12 it says, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. And Boaz, a man of character, a man of integrity, in a time and a place where everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes, understood that the Lord would repay her. The Lord would that you reap what you sow, that the Lord would, would take care of her because of what she had done. And may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take shelter. And here, Boaz speaks prophetically into Ruth's life and says, you have come to seek help from the Lord. Now, that really wasn't what Ruth was doing. What Ruth was really doing was going to help her mother-in-law. But Boaz had the understanding and he knew that actually it was the Lord. He was, he was introducing Ruth to the Lord here in such a way of, hey, the Lord, you're actually, it's the God of Naomi who's actually going to take care of you. You're actually being introduced to the God of Naomi. And, and I, I love the wording here because he says, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. In the next chapter, next week, we'll see where Ruth comes to Boaz and asks to take shelter under his covering or under his wings. It's the same, same, same language that, that they think the answer is coming through Boaz, but the answer is actually coming from the God of Boaz, from the God of Naomi, from the God of Israel, that that is where the provision is coming and that, and that the Lord is taking care of her, that in this horrible, horrible time, I mean, she's lost her husband, she's lost her father-in-law, she's lost her brother-in-law, she's lost her entire family, she's, 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 an, she's an outcast, she's an, she's an outsider, she's an un, unsafe, un, un, unfamiliar place. Because when Naomi dies, she's on her own as just a foreigner in this place. Like She took great risk by coming to this place, and, 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 but God honors this. He honors this in such a way. And she says, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant. 
though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. This is so, so interesting to me how Ruth gets into the story because she served. That she was a servant at heart. And that's the way that she gets in. That she, she gets into the lineage of Christ because she served. She served Naomi. She's just out here working like so, can I use this word from the pulpit? Like this is just so unsexy, okay? Like it's, she's just out working in the field. She's just out laboring, just out working, just doing what it needs to do to get, to get life done. But God's working on her behalf, and it's through this servanthood. And, it, I mean, and that's, really, that's really a part of what the Christmas story is all about. It's about servanthood. It's about what Jesus, I mean, what he has done, what he's done for us. In fact, Philippians, I think we have it, have it on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Here, this is, this is the heart of the Christmas story. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He came in the servants' quarters. And he spent his whole life serving. Even Mary, when the angel appeared to her and, and declared what was going to happen, she said, here am I, your maid servant. Let it be to me according to your word. It was revealed to the, to the shepherds who were servants. Servants of that day, of the arrival of Christ, and, and Christ served even death, even the worst death, on a cross. And that's the way Ruth gets in the story. And I, I just don't think we can, we can move away. I don't think we can move away very quickly from the idea of servanthood. And the idea of that, because Ruth was a servant, she got in on the Christmas story the arrival of Christ, and, and I wonder, I just wonder if, and I believe it does, that when I serve, that when you serve, that it creates a place for the arrival of Christ in people's life, that it sets the stage, it decorates for Christmas, so to speak, the coming of Christ in a place where he's not yet. And hearts and lives and families and schools and neighborhoods that are serving has such an important, important part of that. Important part of that. At mealtime, verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. So they've been out working in the field. It's lunch break, right? So they have the lunch break and she's over there eating her peanut butter and jelly sandwich and and he goes, no, come over here and eat with my crew. He's feeding his crew. And come over here and eat with the crew. And come over here. We got some bread, and you can dip it in the wine vinegar, right? Not too much different than us at Italian restaurants, right? With the balsamic and the oil, you know, they're, they're doing that deal. And, and so she sits down with the harvesters, and he offered her some roasted grain. And she ate all she wanted and had some left over. So she's, 
Not only is she getting grain, like she's taking leftovers home for dinner for Naomi. And, and, and so she got all she had. She had some leftover, verse 15, and she got up to glean. So she's going back to work. Boaz gave orders to his men, even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. He goes, in fact, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them. Leave them there for her to pick up and don't, don't tell her not to do it. Just, just help her. Make it easy on her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening and then she threshed, in the, she threshed the barley. So she separated it. She worked it. Um, and she had gathered it all and amounted to about an ephath, which would basically, I looked it up. Basically, she had like a big five-gallon bucket full of processed like wheat. That's what she was heading home with which they could sell or they could use for bread. And that was from the day's work. It was an amazing amount. So she carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. And Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. So she's like, I mean, Naomi's like, man, look at this. You got a whole five-gallon bucket full of wheat. And she's like, yeah, not only that, I got some leftover pizza from lunch too. <laughs> right? So they had, they had the food. They had, I mean, it was a, the blessing of God was amazing. So her mother-in-law, verse 19, her mother-in-law asked her, Naomi asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. She knew this was God. She knew there was favor. Like she knew this was not normal. I I think Naomi had spent some summers working out in the field. Like she knew, she was like, this is not normal. This is not how it normally is. I lost my place. Okay, here we go. Uh, then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. She goes, yeah, the name of this man I worked with today, his name's Boaz. And, and Naomi goes, oh, may the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter. I think she got a smile on her face. I think she got happy. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, this man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen's redeemers. Kinsmen's redeemers. Now you'd say, you'd read that and say, what's that? What's that? Because that doesn't fit well in our culture. I don't even really know how to describe it in our culture. I mean, I've heard of some families that have like a really rich uncle. Like our families don't have that. But maybe your family has like a really rich uncle, and if anybody ever needs anything or they need wisdom or whatever, they go to kind of get bailed out by the rich uncle. Um, I don't know. It sounds kind of nice. I don't have rich uncle like that, but, uh, but I don't know. Maybe your family. But, but in this culture, in this day, in the way that God had set things up, he had set things up so that nobody would be left out, so that nobody would be without. He provided a way for everybody. And so let me just take a moment. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to kind of like, just kind of throw this out there, just kind of introduce it. And then we're really going to break it down a little bit next week. And, and to help you just connect the pieces, Boaz is a picture. He's a foreshadow. He's a type of, of Christ, of Jesus. And so Boaz was a kinsman redeemer to Naomi. And so we know that Jesus, we'll see that Jesus is a kinsman redeemer to us, and we'll see the implications of this, and we'll see even how this fits in the Christmas story, but we can't do it all today, but I just kind of want to throw it out there so you can be kind of thinking about it a little bit this week. So, so for someone to qualify as a kinsman redeemer, um, they, would, they must be a near kinsman. They have to be a close relative. So you have to be related to him. You have to be a relative of those 
that were needing to be redeemed. They must be willing to do it. They couldn't do it reluctantly. They had to be willing to do it. They had to have the ability to be this redeemer. They had, themselves had to be free, and they had to be, they, but they must pay the value or the price of redemption. And so redemption would cost, and redemption cost the redeemer, but it was for the benefit of the redeemed, right? Like you just see Jesus all over this, don't you? So what would a kinsman's redeemer do? First thing, one of the things he would do would be to protect, to protect. An impoverished family would protect. In fact, some translations would call him the avenger. Now, I would like to be called that, wouldn't that be nice? That's the avenger in our family. And so he's the avenger. He would make the wrongs right. And so he would, he would, um, he would could protect an impoverished family. He could be their defender. He could repurchase lost property because property was often lost um, through, through maybe through death or maybe through um, uh, a lot of times through debt. Um, it would be used as collateral. If it wasn't paid, it would be taken. So it could be used to, for, to redeem lost property. It could be used to redeem people because relatives, people would be sold. You would put yourself up or your kid up for collateral. And if you couldn't meet it, they would um, they'd take your kids as slaves. And, and so you could be redeemed from that. And then at times there would even need to be an heir that needed to be provided to the male relatives. And they could be provided that as well. So that's, that's, that she's trying to, and like Ruth wouldn't necessarily known all of that, but so that's why Ruth begins to explain it to her. This is our, this is our kinsman's redeemer. This is, this is, this is who this is. Verse 21, then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. It was dangerous. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests, harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And so we see this. We find her in this field is where we see the story. We find God working in the midst of this. And, and, and we're going to leave the story there. We're going to pick it up next week in chapter 3. But one of the things I, I want to do um, we're going to have a time of communion this morning. We're going to come to the Lord's table. As we've talked about, even last week, and if you missed it, you can get it on the podcast, but Jesus is our living bread. And we know that in Bethlehem, the house of bread is where he came from. This is where this story takes place. And as, and as, we, as we come to the Lord's table today, I, I provided some time, provide a moment for you to reflect on what Jesus has done for you. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, today is the day, even in this moment right now, call out to him to salvate, for salvation. Say yes to Jesus. You can even say, you pray your own prayer. Say, Jesus, I say yes to you. I confess my need for you. I, I bow myself to you even now. I confess my need of a Savior, and I ask you to forgive me and to redeem me and to take me. You could, you could do that right now, and then the moment, you call out to the Lord, you're saved. Because your faith and your trust is in Him as you, as you trust Him for your salvation. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.